Hello and welcome to Retrospection, where we take an old show or film and see if we should help it out of trouble or just let it get beaten off. Today we're taking a look at the first episode of the American TV series The Equalizer, which ran for four seasons from 1985 to 1989. My name's Carlin, and I'm an old war horse led out to pasture. I've often said that about you. And my name's Paul, and you never ask me. I'm sure you wanted to know secretly, deep inside. Would that be your name? Yeah. <laughs> I know what line. <laughs> I know where that's I from. Know what else it would be? <laughs> so the Equalizer is about a retired intelligence agent turned private detective who helps various threatened clients equalize the odds. Emphasis on the word equalized. Yes. Yes, and that was the IMDb description. It was created by Richard Lindheim and Michael Sloan. He's fans outside. Yeah, apparently. Uh, the series stars and has appearances by Edward Woodward as Robert McCall, Keith Zaraberger, or is it Bajka? I'm not sure if the J is silent. Uh, we'll go with what you say. Okay, as Mickey Kosmeyer, Robert Lansing as Control, William Zabka as Scott McCall, and Richard Jordan as Harley Cage. Now, later in the series, we get Robert Mitchum as a recurring role as Richard Dyson. And some of the more well-known guest stars consist of Telly Savalas, Laurie Metcalf, John Goodman, Jennifer Grey, Robin Curtis, Christian Slater, and many others. Adamant is always the one that sticks in my mind. Oh, it's like, I don't know, a lot of American shows have to have one like that. You know, the A-Team had Boy George. Yeah, the British pop star yeah. who thinks he can act. Yeah, if memory serves, I think he played kind of like a crazy, psychopathic um, killer who, who who kidnaps women and sells them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's not very good in it, from what I remember. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it for a while. I think it was just after he did his uh, Apollo, uh, Apollo 99 phase, or whatever it was called. Do you remember that? Ooh, no, I don't. Yeah, well, he stopped dressing like Prince Charming and he started to wear NASA boots. Oh, I, I missed that entirely. I mean, I guess I lost interest once we got out the new romantics. I think most people missed it entirely, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, one to, one to dredge up now, though. I might have to go and have another look, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the music, though, for this series was by Stuart Copeland. Yeah, do you want to talk about the music now, or do we, how do you feel about the music? Um, let's 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 go when we talk about the uh, opening credits. Okay, I think that's probably yeah. the best. Yeah. I should point out those six episodes in '88 season were by Joseph Conlan, and the final season music was by Cameron Allen. But most of it's by Stuart Copeland. I think the Stuart Copeland music is the one that everyone remembers. Definitely, absolutely. It, well, yeah. it stands out. It stands apart from anything else. I mean, it's it's unique. Let's say. Yes, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any notes or info you want to do before we um, start? I, only a couple of things. I, I did find it amusing that I did read that um, at the height of its popularity, apparently people would stop Edward Woodward in the street and ask him for help. Oh, like to cross the street or really serious problems? Really serious problems. So he, he started to carry numbers for social services in his pocket so that he could give them out. That's nice of him. Well, but I, I never understand this thing where people <laughs> <laughs> do you not. Can can people not separate <laughs> fiction from reality? I mean, I I never thought that 
that um, George Papad actually did go out with a bunch of people and, and blow shit up. You didn't? I didn't. In the same way that I never thought that Gil Garad was uh, banging Wilma. I mean, that was, that was fiction as well. He wasn't? He wasn't, no, apparently. Oh. But I can't, I've, never, I've never understood this, this, this. I mean, you hear it in a lot of British stuff, don't you, where people would shout obscenities at, at the bad guys in, in soap operas. You know, yeah. across the street. I mean, right. they're an actor. Do they not get it? Clearly I not. I guess not. No, I guess not. No. But I guess it shows the class of Edward Order that he didn't just tell them all to do one. You know. Absolutely, yeah. Edward Woodward was nominated for five Emmys for this as well. And he actually won a Golden Globe in 1987 for The Equaliser as well. Nice. Oh, well, that, that <laughs> high praise from you there, Colin. <laughs> It's nice that he got that. It's very nice, yes. Yeah. And the only other thing that I read was the obligatory um, fact about someone else that almost got the role. Oh, who was it? Interestingly, it was Martin Shaw from The Professionals. Wow, I didn't know that. That would have been interesting. They offered it to him first, apparently, and he turned it down. I think because he didn't oh. want to go to America and be caught up in a long-running series in the States. Okay, right. But yeah, that would have been interesting. But it's a yeah. similar background, isn't it? You had, you know, he would have been coming from the professionals, yes. playing a similar kind of character. Whereas with this, we've got Edward Woodward playing, having played Callan, who's very similar to Robert McCall. Yeah, yeah, that's so I true. I can see where they were headed. They were obviously looking for a type. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I found interesting was that CBS tried to do a crossover with Magnum. That is interesting, considering that there's a little bit of Magnum in this episode, isn't there? There is, yeah, but mm. the shows are very different from each other, which is why it never happened, because the writers didn't want to do it, the actors didn't want to do it. It, it would have been a very strange clash of uh, styles, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the odd reason why it was cancelled. Oh, I don't know this. So the show wasn't doing as well as it originally was doing, so... It, the ratings weren't as high, but they weren't that low that it should have been cancelled. And so everybody was preparing for another season. But Universal also made Murder, She Wrote, which was CBS's highest watched show. Mm -hmm. Angela Lansbury's contract was up for renewal. And she wanted so much money. And Universal wanted a serious amount of money to keep going the show that CBS didn't want to actually spend that much money, but decided they had to, because mm -hmm. it was watched by so many people, that they agreed to the fees, but then to screw Universal, they said, we're cancelling the equaliser. So they threw the equaliser under the bus, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, I yeah. never knew that. That's why it ended. Bloody Angela Lansbury. I know, right? Mm-hmm. You have to... You a have typewriter. To... <laughs> oh, you forgot. <laughs> and a typewriter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toss it out the window. You wondered what I was going to yeah. say there, didn't you? Um, I, I did. Yeah, you do have to ask yourself, though. I mean, he got quite ill at various times throughout this show. And if they had gone on it, how much longer could it have kept going for, do you think? Well, I would say at least another couple of seasons. You think so? I mean, after he'd had his heart attack and came back, I think he looks healthier in the later seasons than he does in these first ones. I think he did say, didn't he, that he he changed his entire lifestyle, didn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly lost weight. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, I, and didn't he go on and he starred in the rebooted Professionals as well after this? Oh, that's right, the new Professionals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did, yeah. I mean, it was rubbish, but it was playing Still again, playing, playing a yeah. type. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he took over the George Cowley type role. He did, yeah. Yeah. You, you've never seen them? I, I've seen a few of them. I've never watched the, all of them. I have them available to watch. I've just never <laughs> yeah, really I, I, managed I, to get through them. I have them as well, and I've never sat through them. <laughs> no, no. All right. So let's get on with the episode then. Yeah, go for it. All right, we begin with a shot of the New York skyline and then another shot of a subway train pulling into a station. A man carrying a briefcase nervously steps out. Further up the train, a man in a trench coat steps out. Back down along the train, another man with a very obvious earpiece <laughs> yeah, also emerges. He's not very sneaky with this huge wire hanging out of his ear, is he? <laughs> he's not, no. no. A nervous guy looks back and forth between them. And he grabs a random woman and presses a knife against her throat. The two observers pull out guns and call for assistance as the bad guy yells that he'll kill her. We cut to a man in the shadows. He cocks his pistol. The music changes. It's a great introductory shot, isn't it? All, all shot in silhouette. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are running from the scene. One of the trench coat officers tells the guy to cut him down. Meanwhile, Robert McCall approaches from behind the guy. He's calm and collected. The guy sees him and tells Robert not to come any closer or he'll kill her. Robert tells him to let her go, that whatever is in the suitcase is not worth his life or hers. You trusted me once, trust me now. And he tells the others to lower their guns. They slowly do it. You're going to be alright, you have my word, says Robert. The guy seems to believe Robert, he drops the case, but as he pushes the woman away, one of the officers raises his gun and shoots towards him. The guy panics, yells that he'll kill her, but Robert, seeing there's no option now, raises his gun and shoots him. Yeah, you say that he's all calm and collected, and I, I'd let you, I'll let you just go through that bit. I didn't want to butt in because it was so good. I, no, I, that sounded but, like I was being sarcastic. There's a huge book coming somewhere <laughs> along the sentence. No, 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 no. There's not a but at all. I, I just wanted oh, to say okay. that you say he was calm and collected. He's calm and collected on the on the, and this is this is a testament to. Oh, I. Yeah, 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 I've got this as well. It's, go it's on, a testament go to, to Edward now. Woodward's performance is that he's calm and collected on the outside, but if you look into his eyes, there's just utter seething rage going on in there, isn't there? I do say this later that nobody does pent-up rage quite like no, Edward Woodward. No, no, Woodward. It, it's, it, it's like it's just under the skin at all times that he could let it out. Yeah, you can imagine like if you had ordered food and you went, oh, there's beans, I think I'll have mustard with those beans. <laughs> and he'd be like, Mustard? with beans and then you'd see him like start to shake <laughs> and you'd be like uh maybe i won't have the mustard after all he is he's damn scary at times isn't it i wouldn't want to face him down yeah but it's very controlled that's what's great very about controlled it. yeah yeah i think another actor would just like be like screaming yeah yeah or or just they would be one or the other they would be completely calm and there'd be nothing else going on there'd be no layer underneath it or, as you say, they'd right. be just shouty and screamy and, and, and be angry all the time. Yeah. But he can do layers. Yeah. And he's done it before. In all fairness, he's, I mean, Callan's a very similar character, isn't he, as we said before? Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest, the makers of this show, they knew Callan. Mm-hmm. They'd seen mm-hmm. it. At least one of them had. And so he was trying to recreate that kind of 
feeling with this show. Well, I, I've always thought, and I think we, we, we've we talked about this in the past, you and I, that I, I, I always think of the Equalizer as this kind of offshoot of Callum, where in my mind, he, he could be the same character. Maybe he moved to America, changed his name, went to work for a different agency. And, you know, yeah. it's the same guy, yeah, essentially. It is. He has the same attitude to violence. Yeah, it, that he doesn't want to do yeah. it, but it's what he's good at. And he at. has the same attitude to the people in charge as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy now shot, the trigger happy officer stands over the body and tells Robert, he's mine. I've got him. Robert stares at him, visibly shaking with anger. He raises his gun at the officer. The officer backs away, but Robert gains control of his emotions and lowers his gun. He holsters it and walks away. So is he angry that he's been forced to kill someone because he's he's, he's killed yes. so many people That's probably what I in, think. His, in his life that he... He's trying to not kill people now, if he can help it. Yeah, I think mm. so. He does tend to kill at least one person every episode, though, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, there is that. So he's not working well for him. But he's trying not to, ah. Paul, and it's the trying that's important. I'll remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, remember that when you kill your next person. <laughs> next? Oh, no. <laughs> I've never killed a person, ever. <laughs> we we should also point out that this scene is clearly really in Times Square subway station. It's not a set. That's the thing with this show, isn't it? There's very few sets, especially outdoors. Yeah. It's it's gritty, it's dirty. It's it's almost documentary style, but yet cinematic at the same time. I think it's a great um it, it's a great sort of museum piece about New York at that particular time in the 80s about what it looks like. I mean, you know that New York probably yeah. doesn't look anything like this now, does it? No, yeah. not at all. They cleaned it all up, yeah. didn't they? And, and, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, and, and I always think in this show that the city's almost like another character in a way. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we cut to the opening credits that feature a montage of a New York skyline that transitions into shots of scared, vulnerable people. And it's edited to the heavy percussion sounds of Copeland's music, but also to the urban sounds of a city, screaming tires, babies crying. We see a woman peering through a crack in a chained doorway, a man leering towards a woman in a flickering, poorly lit elevator. There's a close-up of frantic eyes. A man frantically trying to get out of a telephone booth as a car pulls up. A woman running for a graffiti-covered train but missing it, only to see a man watching her on the platform. It seeps with the kind of desperation that a broken late 1970s, 80s city had. A place on a trip to hell in which nobody paid a ticket for. Check out Raymond Chandler. Is he writing your... uh... (laughs) Is he doing your your script now? (laughs) Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's giving it a go. When the music changes and the series title appears, it's over a shot of Robert McCall smothered in shadows but backlit with a smoky haze in front of his murky car. The camera tracks towards him as the shadows melt away to reveal his face. He stirs slightly off camera, always watching the protector. Smoky haze, weren't they a beat combo in the 60s? Well, at least you didn't go for a second album description. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I enjoyed that. So you want to talk about Copeland's music at this well, point? Well, I think the first thing to say before we talk about the music is these these credits are iconic, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. They're up there with yeah. the Miami Vice credits, the the Magnum credits. Uh, you know, they're they're iconic. Copeland's music. Um, I think it would be easy to dismiss it. 
because right. it, it does just feel like a series of plinkety plonks, doesn't it? At times, I I prefer it, to me. It sounds it's more industrial. Yeah, it's industrial, but it, it's eighties industrial. It's got a very eighties sheen yeah, to it, which you can't help because it was made in the eighties, but. Well, yeah, I guess so. You, you mean like it's yeah, electronic? Yeah, rather than... it's very heavily okay. produced. Um, right, right, okay. I, but I, I do think that there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the music, and it it's, it, it definitely sets yeah. the scene. It works with with the with the images in in the in the show, and it's unique for the show to to the extent that in later episodes, when as you say, it's not him doing the music, it it, it kind of feels like there's something missing. Because you right, can tell right. it's not his music anymore. Even though they do try and mimic it a little bit, but it, you, you can hear it's not the same. There is like a weird, I, I don't know what it is, but during the episode later on, there's this like boop, 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 boop noise, which is, it sounds almost slightly off key on purpose. I thought it sounded like the, the credits to a, um, a kid's TV show. It's a yeah, weird sound, right? Yeah. But. It's unique. You wouldn't you wouldn't hear this and go, oh, is that is that that other cop show? You instantly know. You, okay, yeah, it's you the definitely. You, this is completely unique to the Equalizer. You knew exactly. You you, you could just play. Yeah. You could have it on in the other room, and you'd know that they were watching the Equalizer. So we cut to Robert climbing some stairs and entering what appears to be a music rehearsal studio. An orchestra is playing. The conductor stops the performance and says, "That's a violin you're soaring on, not a leg of lamb, McCall." Robert's son is in the mm -hmm. orchestra. Scott sees his dad, but it's not a look of happiness. When the orchestra breaks up, Scott goes over to him. It's been a long time since they've been together. There's animosity between them. Robert is trying to make up for lost time, but Scott seriously holds a grudge about his father never being there for him. Robert says he has time now. Scott says, well, that's nice, and walks away. This is, this is the first instance where I notice something odd. Okay, what's that? What's going on with his accent? Yeah. Now, I've seen this a few mm -hmm. times. Love the show. But I never noticed until watching this pilot for this episode of Retrospection that there's an Americanism that comes into his accent. Yeah, it's very light. Yeah. It's definitely very light, but it's there. He's trying something. And it's not all in the time in every no. scene. So no. it's like they... It Decide, they thought at the beginning that, okay, he has to have a, an American accent to explain why he was working for an American agency. And then at some point they went, eh, let's, not just bo let's not bother. Yeah, and no, I'm pretty sure in later episodes they even refer to the fact that he sounds British. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I'm glad that they dropped it. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that adds to that whole feel of, you know, an Englishman in New York, you know, fish out of water type thing that, that is a big part of his character, I think, later. Yeah, and the fact that people misjudge him by what oh, he completely. sounds they, like they and say, looks yeah. like, which is the point of the equalizer. He looks like a butler. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, and he doesn't even keep it up in the, in, <laughs> in the same scene. It comes and goes in the yeah, same scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, know, I don't understand. And I never really noticed it until this time. Mm, I don't think I'd noticed it before either, but because obviously I was really paying attention to it, you know, because I'm professional. Yeah. Show, you know. Don't look at me like that. Okay. <laughs> so Robert tells Scott that he's resigned. 
Scott asks, when was the last time his father was in town? Was it Christmas, New Year's? It doesn't matter. He remembers seeing on TV about a bunch of college kids being rescued from an incident in a war-torn country in a battered old school bus. That's a film worth seeing, isn't it? It is. Get right in it now. Yeah, Add Robert, Robert McCartell rescuing some college school kids from a South American city or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prequel. Prequel idea. Yeah. Who would you cast? Who would you cast? Have you made it now? Who would you cast? And he was playing this character. Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah, because he looks like a, a young Edward Woodward, doesn't he? <laughs> I'll tell you who I'd cast. Oh, you thought about this. Yeah. No, I haven't. No, it's just come to me now. I'll cast Sean Pursley. Oh, okay. Get him, yeah. to, get him to do slightly posh. Obviously, mm-hmm. he can't do his usual Cockney geezer routine. Right, right, right. But he's a good actor. He's he's British. He's a good actor. And That's I think interesting. Scott, at the time that he was seeing this news report, wondered if it was his father. Could have been, replies McCall. Why did your father abandon you, Scott? I popped the last person who said that, retorts Scott, like father, like son. Robert stops him and says things are changing. A new slate. He's going to stand back, look around himself and get to know him a little better. Scott says he'd better speak to his mum, Robert's ex-wife, about that. So we now learn that he's divorced. Mm Mm-hmm. It's 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 good writing. It, it's it's it, it's not. It, I know it's doing that thing again where we're 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 talking. We got characters telling each other things that they already know. It's grievances but, are coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's natural. It feels natural. It does. Mm-hmm. Do you know that Edward Woodward used to um, rehearse with the actor who played Scott because he was new. So mm-hmm. they used to like go to the trailer and Edward would take time to sit down with him and go through the lines and work it out with him to help him. That's a class act. So they agree to meet up again and Scott admits that it's great to see his dad. But he won't hold his breath to see him at the concert. We cut to a city street. Robert's buying a newspaper. He looks through it until he finds an advert. Odds against you. Call the equalizer. And there's a telephone number. Mm-hmm. We cut to a school playground. A woman is looking for her daughter, Sarah. Sarah's a young girl. Sarah's standing at the fence talking to a creepy guy. The woman sees this and calls over to Sarah, starts to move faster to her daughter. The guy seeing this says bye to the girl and walks away. The mum tells her daughter off for talking to a stranger. Sarah says they were just chatting about David Bowie. The girl says that the man likes her mum's hair. She tells Sarah if he ever turns up again not to talk to him and to tell one of the teachers but we cut to him watching from a distance. Yeah, we know, we know where this is going. We cut tonight. There's a busy New York City. Inside Manhattan Communications, a guy is punching numbers on a computer. A voice says, there it is again. This is crazy. And we see a number on a restricted list. It looks like a telephone number. The guy picks up a phone and dials it. We cut to what looks like NORAD. A uniformed military person answers the phone and identifies himself as a captain in the Pentagon. The man on the other end hangs up. Did you now two men in? Sorry, did you notice the um, stock footage shot from War Games? Uh, the, the only reason I knew it was Narad was because I thought it was from War Games. <laughs> it was. It was. A, it was. A, it was a oh, shot it was? from War Games. Yeah. Is War Games a Universal film? I think it might be. <laughs> uh, okay, that makes sense then. <laughs> All right. Two men enter Brad's office and ask him if he's working late again. Brad says he's got a few loose ends to clear up. They ask him if those loose ends have a name. Is it on his own time, or is it a mystery he's trying to solve? He says he likes to keep ferreting away for the answer, but they tell him they can't have him work these long hours. It's bad for his health. 
I'm already suspicious when a company cares about the health of the person working there, especially in the 80s. <laughs> it's always suspect, right? Not just the 80s. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Let's leave it there. <laughs> All right. They tell him that Mr. Morgan would like to see him in his office. I just, I just have this image of him going into the office and there's just a giant Major Morgan. <laughs> just standing there. That's a joke for a certain age group, isn't it? <laughs> it's like... So uh, you wanted to see me? Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I go now? <laughs> Major Morgan, I haven't thought about that in years. I know. Mm. Oh, you used to think it was called Major Organ. Major Organ. Very different, yeah. very different tool. You can play with it, though. You could, yeah. yeah. But it got more, more difficult as the game went on. A bit more harder. Yeah, definitely, definitely really hard at the end as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So they push him out of the room to go and make him see Mr. Morgan, which doesn't sound like it's going to be a pleasant conversation. But we cut to Sarah watching Magnum P.I. on TV. Great choice. It is, yeah. like a good episode of Magnum. We'll have to do that one day. Did, did you, did you uh, notice which episode it was? Yeah, it's episode 16 from season 4. Oh, good. I'm glad you did. No, did no, you? This is the actual... Yeah. No. Because <laughs> I think it was like just the car, right? Chasing No, somebody. you get a shot of um, Tom Selleck in the car. Oh, yeah, that narrows it down <laughs> of a show that's about Tom Selleck. In a... <laughs> what I'm saying is you don't just see the car. You see Tom Selleck as well on the screen. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I know it now, Paul, because he wasn't in many. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I didn't mean it in that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the phone rings. It's the creepy guy calling. The mom, Colleen, answers. The guy asks what she's wearing. He'd really like to know. She says she's going to call the police. He says that his name is Steve. Then you know she wants to know her name deep inside. He wants to meet her and she hangs up. The phone rings again. She unplugs it. But outside in the phone box, Steve is watching. He yells up at her and she realizes he knows where they live. We cut to McCall walking with control. Which sounds weird, but that's the name of the, the well, guy. If you walk without rhythm, you don't attract the worm, apparently. What's I that walked doing the other day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, Robert is telling Control that he's removed all the bugs that they placed in the apartment. Control's telling him that he has to come in. Robert says he's an old warhouse put out to pasture. Control replies that McCall is the most dangerous man he knows. Now you keep that thought, Robert says. You know... Controls his old boss, isn't he? And their history, they've obviously got a history. They're, they're, they're kind of friends in a way as well, aren't they? They're friends, but there's a kind of like a friction between them. They're, they're not keen on each other's methods, mm -hmm. maybe. They don't really understand each other, but they are friends. But, you know, it's like two people doing a podcast. <laughs> What's wrong with my methods? Oh, I don't. That's late. <laughs> Should we start? Yeah, let's not do another three-hour episode. Hold up, I've got a book somewhere. I've written down stuff. Thirty odd years of stuff in there. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's a good relationship between Control and McCall, as well. And it's also, I think, um, the actor playing mm -hmm. Control. 
I'm, I don't know anything about him, but I'm guessing he has a similar background to Edward Woodward. And I think sometimes this is when Edward Woodward's at his best is when he's working with yes, this guy. Yes, he's, he's got a very... Um... He's got a very natural way of, of carrying himself, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, they, they work he's well a, together. He's, a, um, he's in an episode of Star Trek, isn't he? The original Trek. Gary Seven. Remember the episode where the guy from the future with the pussycat? Oh. Yes, that's him. That that was going to yes. be a spin-off yeah, show, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. it is, yes. Yeah. Control says Robert knows too much to be on the outside. Names, numbers, dates. The other side would have a field day pulling that information out. They can try, replies Robert. He walks away, but Control stops him. And, and I like the, like, Edward Woodward's, like, look mm-hmm. at the hand that Control puts on him. He's like, uh, you yeah. want to take that off <laughs> before I shove it up your ass? <laughs> Control tells him you can't just walk away. You're too much of a security risk. McCall tells him to take his best shot and leaves. It's one of the best scenes in the pilot. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Brad is driving home. Mm-hmm. Remember Brad? in the office. Yep, but the two men in the office try to ram him off the road. Brad swerves to avoid a dump truck. The car, for some reason, turns over. Not quite sure why. I'll but tell you the we'll reason. go with it. It was the 80s, and it was TV, and cars okay. turned over for no reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The dump truck driver gets Brad out of the car before it explodes while the two guys watch. We cut to Robert playing chess alone. Now, there's a dog sitting on a chair across from him. This dog, however, Robert kills it at the end of this pilot because we never see it again. There's no, there's no dog I in any future episode. Thing. This dog's not got long to live, has he, really? <laughs> no. Can you imagine episodes, though, where, like, it's three in the morning and he's, <laughs> McCall is stood in the street. He's going, will you please just take a shit? <laughs> he's, like, pleading with the dog. He's, he's, I can't see Robert McCall standing there with poop not bags. Not at all. Not at all. Maybe maybe that's <laughs> why it was. A, it was a decision he made, and he instantly regretted it. And <laughs> yeah, the dog's just staring at him in the face <laughs> while he's taking a poop. Going, you got to pick this up, mate. You think you're all this head guy? I, I think McCall walked that dog to the end of a pier, pulled out his gun, <laughs> and that was the end of the dog. <laughs> it was a big splash, well, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's also a different apartment, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't like this apartment. It doesn't suit him. It feels too. It feels Absolutely too modern. Not. That's the word I was mm-hmm. going to use. It is. It's way too yeah. modern. the 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 apartment that they use in this series is is feels more Definitely. like him. It's got old stuff yeah. around him. Yeah. But yeah. then again, I think there's only the two scenes in this, isn't there? So they probably didn't put too much thought in, in into it being yeah. a pilot. But once yeah. they got once they yeah, got to I a agree. series, they thought, "Oh, we can we can spend a bit more time thinking about this now." Yeah, yeah. So Robert's phone rings, and he answers, and it's Brad Hamilton. He saw the ad in the paper. He says that somebody tried to kill him. I know the feeling, says Robert. He tells Hamilton to meet him at the New York Cafe across the river from the United Nations building. Mm-hmm. We cut to a shot of the Brooklyn Bridge, then inside a cafe with the UN building across the river. I I should look like to point out now we're getting some serious new york geographical kung fu going on here <laughs> because the brooklyn bridge 
Nowhere near the Well, there's, there's one near the end of the episode, a big glaring one, which I wanted to ask you about. And when we when we come okay. to it, I'll, well, I'll ask we get you about to it. it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Howland tells Robert what the problem is. Hamilton says he was fired for finding a locked number that doesn't exist, but he knows it's there. Do Do you understand any of this that's going on about this number business? I only understand it once we we get the scenes later when um, Benston's dad turns up and explains to him that that it's to do with blackmail. But at this stage, I don't yeah, get it at point, all. No. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I was like, so it's a telephone number. I don't get what this the is. Deal the, is. This is we've got because we've got two stories running concurrently in this, haven't we? We've got this story and we've got the story about the stalker. Yeah. This is the one that doesn't work as well. Oh, okay. Think. Doesn't work as well as the stalker story, but we need it in there because it establishes his, let's say, sort of spy credentials, doesn't it? Later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, and then he has contacts with yeah. different. Yeah, so people. we need to get that in the pilot, but we also need to see him helping just the the, the little people as well. Yeah, the yeah. average Joe or Josephine. <laughs> and I suppose, in a way, it, it 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 illustrates the fact that that he can help people who are part, who are governmental and and you know senators and people like that. But then he, he he's helping the everyman as well, the every person that can that can just hire him. Yeah, which, which the series totally does. Like it switches between stuff that's like Cold War. Yeah. Well, we we get a line later, don't um, we, near the end of the movie? Not the end of the movie, near the end of the episode that um, explains what's to come in the show. Something controls this yeah. to him. Yeah. Robert asks Brad if he has family out of the city, and Brad says he has a cousin in Philadelphia, and he gives Robert the address. Brad asks, what can Robert do as this is a huge corporation? It's like taking on the U.S. government. Robert says, well, that'll make him feel right at home. It's a good line. It is. There's a lot of good lines in this. Across town in a supermarket, Colleen is doing her shopping. Steve is following her. She sees him. She starts screaming at him that she'll stab him through the heart if he sees him again. I don't know about you, but this is what it's like every day down my local living. Oh, really? Yeah. Screaming, shouting, women, ye- women yelling at you. Women, well, not necessarily at me, Colin. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, no. I misunderstood. Yes, not unless it's the wife. Oh, it'll be interesting to see if that stays in. <laughs> it will. It will be definitely interesting. Yeah. Yes. Steve pretends that she's crazy, and you can hear other shoppers muttering that she's nuts. Mm-hmm. Back uptown, McCall is taking Brad and his wife to a private airfield that will take them to Philadelphia. And a car will meet them there and take them to the cousin's place. How does he pay for all this stuff? Yeah, see, I, my personal opinion is that when he's doing jobs and stuff, he, he pockets a bit on the side here and there. I mean, think about James Bond, right? How much mm-hmm. does James Bond make gambling at casinos and pockets? Yeah. Okay. Now, this yeah. is more realistic than James Bond. I, I use realistic in giant quotes, but... yeah. Maybe it's like the deals he makes, he pays back what he has to and then keeps the rest. Maybe he's just managed to build stuff up that way. I mean, it can't be... Uh, yeah, because it's got to be something like that, because it can't be his salary, because at the end of the day, he is he is just technically a, a government servant, worker. isn't he? Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah totally, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. A car pulls up and a shotgun comes out the window. Robert yells at him to stay down and quickly drives away. The car chase moves across the Brooklyn Bridge and then... The cars are driving across the Brooklyn Bridge, and then in the next shot, 
they're actually at the entrance to the Brooklyn Bridge going back on it again. <laughs> I suppose uh, unless you lived in New York, you probably wouldn't. This, I mean, no. growing up in I, England, this, watching this, this meant nothing to us, did it? Yeah, yeah. I'm only speaking for someone who lives here. That mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of fun. This is one of the. This is the extra layer for me. Is like watching stuff like that and seeing where it is. Yeah. No. No. The, the one that I'm going to ask you about towards the end of the episode is is something that I think would have stood out to me even back then. And it's not necessarily a geographical thing. It's a, more of a logistical thing. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, then we're in Brooklyn Heights. McCall avoids them as a shotgun blasts out a side window of his car. They drive onto some wasteland. McCall slams on the brakes. This is not working out, he says. He takes out a rifle, and as the gunman's car comes towards him, he opens fire, hits the car, which swerves and flies into the river. Now it's working out. It's a great line too. It it is a good line, but there's two things I wanted to 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 throw at you about this whole bit. Um, Go. The car chase itself. Don't you think it feels very real and gritty? It doesn't feel. It feels a million miles away from something like we were getting in the A Team at the time. It's, oh, it totally. Feels, it, it's more like back as we've discussed in other episodes. It's back to the French Connection style. It feels very seventies, doesn't it? Very yeah. raw. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure I like his, him quipping, though. Oh, um, I didn't mind it because, to me, it made sense that he had this plan and it's it's gone wrong, so mm-hmm. then it, it isn't working out. He's right. And then when he when he dr- shoots him and the, it's done, he's like, okay, now it's working out. It's like one of those... It's a relief thing rather than a James Bond thing, but okay. I can understand why you don't like it. I don't remember him doing much of it later, though. No, I don't either. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's why it stood out for me is that I, I, yeah. it, it seemed like, oh, wasn't expecting Yeah, that. he's not Mr. One-Liner later no. in the show. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. So we cut, and I, I guess to Morgan, it's not really defined. Maybe this it, is part of the problem you have with this part of the storyline. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is Morgan. But again, I think I only worked out it's Morgan later when... He's Someone got says, a, "Mr. Morgan." Yeah, well, I think it's when he's—I think it's when he's standing there and he's got a scene with um, McCall later, and he refers to him as Mr. Morgan. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking to the two flunkies that are just screwed up. He mm-hmm. wants to know why they can't silence one man. Dripping with water, the guy replies that they got a professional, and that Hamilton has disappeared. Morgan says he'll take care of McCall personally. How does he know? How does he know his name? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's unless a leap too, right? Unless they'd been tapping the, the, the employee's phone when he called him. I mean, they are, they are big on tapping phones, aren't they? Yeah, okay, that works for All me. Right. Could have thrown it in there just to explain it in the episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. But, okay. So we cut to police headquarters and a detective wants to know why he should help McCall now he's gone respectable. McCall replies, long nights over a shared cup of coffee. So we, we're learning now that McCall works with the police a lot yeah. in, when he worked for the agency. This guy as well playing the, the uh, is he the lieutenant, is he? Or is he a sergeant? I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. Doesn't yeah. he play a similar role in 21 Jump Street? He's the boss. Oh he? In, no! In, in Twenty One, yeah, he's the boss in Twenty One yeah, Jump Street, right? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. I do like a good well, walking he, through an eighties police precinct scene, though, and we get one here, don't we? 
you know, everything's chaotic, everything's going on, you know, I like that. It's very Hill Street Blues yeah, type I, of thing. I like seeing that in a, in, a, in a TV show or a movie. And I think they use it well in a second. They do, they do. It's, uh, well, uh, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so the copper seamer calls out and says, well, while it's cute until somebody blows his head off, McCall has no backup. McCall asks the detective to run the tags of the car that was chasing him. And like the detective is like, ah, but he's already done it. Mm. He respects McCall, doesn't a, he? He knows. Yeah, I think so. He knows. Yeah. He, he he he's again. He's he's. I think he's probably learned not to judge him by what what he sees in front of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. It turns out to be uh, the plate for a company car, Manhattan Communications. The detective gives McCall the readout and tries to warn McCall about going into this business, but. McCall's going to continue anyway. Mm-hmm. And as McCall leaves, we see another detective with Colleen. So it doesn't, it's like the camera pans across and then continues the other story. Yeah, McCall walks behind them, doesn't he, as they're sat. Yeah. Being in, and she, the detective's interviewing her. It's, it's the way that they throw in, which you know he's going to become involved in this second story that's already happening. But it, it's, like, it's kind of like his life sort of passing through tangentially with the other story. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this detective is telling Colleen that they can't do anything about the stalker, and there's nothing they can do until he actually hurts her or the, her child. Mm-hmm. He tells her to change her locks, change her number. I mean, this is useless stuff. So angrily, she leaves. Mm-hmm. And we cut to a dinner party at Manhattan Communications. Morgan asks his flunkies to go to a room with him, and as they pass, we see Robert dressed nicely in a tux. Mm-hmm. Looks good. He's at the party, and he, but he leaves and then goes to the computer room using a lockpick to break in. So, as you say, McCall picks the lock to the office. Um... This is where we get that weird musical cue that you were talking about. Exactly, yeah, where it goes boop, 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 Yeah, boop, yeah. <laughs> a bit like a kid's TV show. Um, oh, maybe it was Major Morgan. Major Morgan. Nice <laughs> call back to a joke we did about ten minutes ago. There you yeah, go. maybe he was just like in the other office. <laughs> um, and then he, he proceeds to outsmart the security camera by fixing a Polaroid of the room to the lens. And he takes the picture there and then. Which develops right, instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good job the security guard wasn't watching when the flash went Pretty off. much, yeah. But I remember having a Polaroid camera, and they didn't work like this. For a start... Oh, yeah, you had to shake you it. You had to shake it. Stick it under your arm for five <laughs> exactly. minutes. Exactly. Wait till the picture... Yeah. But that would have been a terrible bit of the show where he's just, like, stood there going... <laughs> blowing on a Polaroid, <laughs> shaking it. And they, they, they were never that great pictures, either. So it wouldn't have it would have looked like a picture was stuck in front of that camera. It wouldn't have looked yeah, the security guy would have been like, colours changed on that <laughs> camera. Also, McCall changes the focus on the lens, which you would have to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. But manages to guess what the focal point is without actually seeing yeah. what the image looks like. He's that good. <laughs> he is. He's very yeah. good. Unfortunately, as McCall begins to access the computer, it sets off an alarm which Morgan and his cronies notice on their terminal in the other room. Morgan's two um, cronies, or lackeys, investigate, but McCall 
has already left and we see a shot of him casually just walk past the window outside it's it's ridiculous mm -hmm. but i like oh, it oh yeah it's great it works really well but <laughs> how, how did he get outside <laughs> Oh, got a clue. Let's not think about it. Let's just admire it. it it's funny how we let things pass in some things, but in other things we wouldn't. Yeah, but not in others, yeah. <laughs> if this was a Marvel film, I'd be all over it. <laughs> you, you said that. I'd I'd be like, well, that's just nonsense. Meanwhile, Carleen is getting ready to take a shower in her apartment. Well, what's her name? Carleen, isn't it? It's Colleen, but okay. What, what is yeah, it? You what go with it? that. We'll go with Carleen now. She's changed what her is, name. No, she's tell me what it name is. Changed to, she's changed her name to avoid Steve. <laughs> tell me what it is. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's Colleen. Colleen. It's written yeah. Carleen on IMDb. C-O-L... C-A-R-L-E-N-E. -E. Is it serious? Yeah, on IMDb it is, yeah. Oh, I just thought it was Colleen. Maybe I'm wrong. It is IMDb. That's true. I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, I'm gonna. I'm from from henceforth. I'm gonna refer to her as Carleen because that's how I've written her in my notes. Absolutely fine. Okay, it's fine. Just don't don't call me Colleen. <laughs> I'll try not to. From no. now on, Colleen. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that and just throw it in at some point. Yeah, randomly. Okay, Colleen. Um, All right. Okay. So she's getting ready to take a shower, and we get a point of view shot. As someone is creeping around the apartment watching Sarah, her little daughter. I don't know why I called her a little mm. daughter. She's not like a midget. No, but I mean, she's a young girl, yeah, is what yeah. you mean. He's watching her. She's not like a 32 no. year old <laughs> yeah. daughter. Because daughters can be any I, I, age. This is true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you're very right. Yeah. So Carleen gets out of the shower and she starts looking for her daughter. She notices that the door to the apartment is ajar. And then she sees writing on the wall. I guess in lipstick? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing mm -hmm. too. Let's hope it's not yeah. blood, because that, that would have taken ages yeah. forever. Because it's a long message. I'm guessing it's Colleen's lipstick. Look. That makes it worse, because he's managed to find her lipstick. Yeah, he's been rooting around through her drawers. And the writing on the wall says, Nice seeing you. I'll be back. I didn't know Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be uh, creeping around this room, did you? No, it's a surprise to the it episode. Is. It is. He's, he's always welcome. See he's always coming. welcome, though. Particularly in the 80s. I don't mean... Oh, I don't mean he's always welcome around my house. No. <laughs> but, I mean... No, no, you, you mean... I mean, he's probably in his 80s, right? No. He, I think he is, yeah. Yeah. But 80s Arnie's the best Arnie. 80s Arnie is the best Arnie. Panicking, Carleen calls out to Sarah, and the girl emerges from the living room carrying a large burr. I don't mean a big, hairy man. I mean a stuffed one. Well, I mean, could, oh, could be, okay. you know, works for both. Could be a stuffed hairy bear. No, I mean an actual bear. Oh, okay. no, 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 an actual bear. bear. A, a toy. A toy. No. Cuddly oh, toy. all right, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Cuddly toy. <laughs> Microwave. <laughs> are we, are we playing set. Generation Game? It's the 70s. Don't do that. That took me by surprise. I didn't expect that. Um... <laughs> At her wit's end, Carleen says, that's it, I'm going to get some help. But less yeah. northern and, you know. Yeah. More Bob Butch. Bob Butch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I'm cutting that out. I better not do that. I That's problematic. You can't do that. Yeah, no, you can't do so, that. Um, yeah. So having obviously contacted McCall, he goes to meet her at the same restaurant that he previously met his first client. Yeah. The, 
the mysterious moving cafe that is actually in Brooklyn Heights in the exterior shot, but suddenly moves to Roosevelt Island in the interior shot. You know what we said? Don't think about it. Oh, okay. He's also got the same table, the exact same table. It's his table. It's his special table. It's where he goes to meet his clients. Like... Edward Woodward walks into mm-hmm. the restaurant and says, is my table ready? Are you going to go no? Because he's going to do that pent-up fury thing where he starts shaking. <laughs> you're going to give him the table, right? You, if it, Even if there's people there halfway through the meal, you're going to push him a, to a different table, apologize. And Definitely, give him I wouldn't table. say no to the bloke. Not at all. No, no. no. So she's a bit unsure at first. Um, she asks him about his clients and his background. But eventually she explains... <laughs> His background. Well, it's just on the tables, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> He's in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. But eventually she explains about Steve and the stalking and everything that's been going on. What can you do, she asks. Well, I can equalise the odds. Make them more in your favour, he explains. I have ways. Mm-hmm. Mm, Curds <laughs> Can we just say as well, he doesn't really equalise anything, does he? I mean, most of the time he just kills the people. I mean, he <laughs> turns it into, yeah, he turns it into the favour of the victim. But that's not equalising, um, is it? No, but it's a very 80s viewpoint of equalising, isn't it? I suppose, just, you it, know. Like, it's, it's a Charles Bronson type of... Beat the other person down. Yeah. So that your 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 way is the only way. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm running through the episodes in my head and trying to think if there's ever one where he really equalizes between the two. But I can't think of one. No, yeah. it usually ends up shooting the person. He does, <laughs> <laughs> and then gets a bit sad about it afterwards, and then does it again the week after. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. Um. McCall asks what Steve looks like, and luckily, luckily, she's an art teacher and produces a mm. quote-unquote perfect sketch that she's made. Yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, if the guy's called Merrick, <laughs> and is the elephant man, then yeah, it's a perfect sketch. However, for the person they're looking for, no. I, I, I thought that he was part of the uh, the Starfire army that were going to be fighting against the Kodan Armada in <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Starfire. He, <laughs> he does look like an alien. He does. certainly doesn't look like uh, Steve. There's a when I say our Steve, I mean your Steve. My Steve, yes. What do you mean my Steve? <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of head going on in this picture, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, it's not a great drawing. It's not, it's not, no. It's not. And, and considering she... considering it's a TV show where normally they get an artist just to draw the actor and you'd be like, oh, yeah, look at that drawing. They didn't yeah. even do that. I think they just knocked it out just before. It, <laughs> it generally looks like a drawing somebody's done who yeah. would be in that situation, which means the show is just excellent. Yeah, but, but she she's supposed to be an art teacher. It would be more realistic if she was an art student that had done this drawing. Those that... Can't do. Teach. Teach. Very good. That's Very what good. they used to say, right? I thought they said those that can't do, do a podcast. Yeah, they they say that too. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't even teach. 
<laughs> Below even that level. Well, we're that. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't even do a podcast sometimes. No, no. There, there have been nights. Yes. Yeah, so. There have been nights. Um, oh boy, have there been nights. I know, I know. We won't, we won't talk about those. Um, no. So she explains the places that he's been seen. Steve, I mean, not McCall. Yeah, not, not <laughs> McCall, because be he knows where he's been, <laughs> right? He's like, why are you telling me where I've been, <laughs> silly woman? McCall gives her his number and explains that she should call him day or night as soon as she sees Steve. And he also tells her to call him on the hour every hour as well, doesn't he? Just to yeah. check in. Yep. And I can promise you, he tells her, he will never bother you again. I wouldn't mess with him. No. No, no. He's got... No. You look in his eyes and you just think, this this chap's seen some things and I don't want to know the things he's seen. Which is odd, because when you look at him, he's just an overweight, white, middle-aged guy. Yeah. British, a bit plummy. And yet there's something about him that's dangerous. Definitely. And I don't know what it is, but Edward Woodward does it very well. He does it. He does it really well. But the strange thing is, considering this, this goes to say what 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 an amazing actor he really is, and and the fact that he didn't become a a, a big star is 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 a travesty, really. But you think about the role he plays in The Wicker Man, which is completely different to these kind of roles. Yeah, he, you know, he's very ineffectual. He's very kind of weak. He's a yes. weak, he plays a weak yeah. man. In the Wicker Man, and that was very yeah. difficult to say. And then he plays a very different role in a Break of Morant too, which is a great film. Yes, absolutely. How was this? How was this guy not a major Don't star? Know. Do you think it's just because he did, he didn't look like a movie well, star? Well, I mean, Humphrey Bogart. What, I mean, what 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 is a movie star? Yeah, I mean, I mean look at Richard. Was this is Richard the eighties. We had Danny DeVito as a movie star at this point. Yeah, Richard Burton. Did he look like a movie star? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. And we haven't mentioned albums yes some of which i own actually on vinyl <laughs> really do, my yes. dad owned edward woodward albums on vinyl yes i've got edward woodward albums i've got richard harris albums on vinyl wasn't the one called this man alone yes yes i think that's yeah? what it is okay. I've got a few. i'll have to dig them out yeah. tomorrow now and so he, he had a, a very classical voice good singer he was a good singer yes so he he brought a lot to the table yeah don't get it no no, it's one of those. And yet we have Brad Pitt. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. And we'll leave that one there, I think. That's... Yeah. So next, McCall is meeting with Brahms, who is another agent played by the late Jerry Stiller. Yeah. Yeah, there's, the show has some great character actors and guest stars throughout its run. Definitely, definitely. And he gets to do a little bit of a comedy shtick where he's... he's He's jogging, and he thinks he's going to have a heart attack because he's so out of shape. Yeah. And I, I like to think that some... and I, I'm just making this up, but I like to think that some of these actors did this be, show because of Edward Woodward, like, the quality of the acting throughout the series, and they were like, okay, I'd like to be a part yeah, of Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. I think I think there's, uh, it's similar to, to Miami Vice. I think... Maybe not for the quality of acting, but maybe just because... <laughs> yes, like, wait, where are we going with because this? Because of the standing of Miami Vice at the time, you know, people yes. wanting to be involved in it. You know, it was, it's a very similar kind of feel, I think. They got the, cause yeah, they, I they think had cause... some really good guest stars as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Brahms is reluctant to be seen with McCall, complaining that it could be bad for his health. So McCall's really not in good stead with his agency at this time now, is he? No, he's considered dangerous because of the information he knows, and now he's out on his own. Yeah, because Brahms says that he, um, he's never heard of anyone resigning from the agency and surviving the way that McCall has. So they jump in a carriage and go through the park together, and McCall tells Brahms that he needs a favour, to which Brahms replies, do you want to get me shot? Yeah, so he's, he's definitely, like, persona non grata. Absolutely, and this is where Brahms asks McCall if he's okay. You tell me, replies McCall. Your code red, Brahms tells him. Top security violation. Do you remember what a red file was? In I Calum? do indeed. Yes. Yes. So a red file was anybody that was to be assassinated in mm-hmm. Callan. And Callan would would be the person who gets all the red files to yeah. deal with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but I think maybe there was a connection there. The writers were going for that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, my my note says this all sounds very Callan. Yeah. yeah. Again, I, I, I do like to think of the Equalizer as he's playing the same character. He's just changed his name, yeah. moved to America, went to work for a different agency. Some For some reason, somehow they, he managed to do that, you know. Because <laughs> that's all he knows what to do, yeah. even though he hates doing it. And, and then he tried an American accent for a yeah. while. And then gave up. <laughs> Tried to fit yeah. in, thought, nah. Yeah, you see, it's all very, very reminiscent of Callan. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. McCall explains that he needs Brahms to solve a code from the series of numbers that he took from the computer terminal earlier and that he needs it that night. Now, again, you're saying that this is all really vague. How does he know it's a code? Because we were just talking about the fact that it was just phone numbers. Yeah. And doesn't he say, like, it's an own. 900 number and you know what that yeah. means and he's like yeah I know what that they means they don't explain it and you're like yeah yeah what does it mean mate <laughs> <laughs> is it a chat line what is it like premium yeah yeah yeah. oh do you remember those no no, no. Do I. Um, no. so we <laughs> so we cut to um, we cut to Carleen returning home to her building with groceries when Steve appears across the street and he calls her name, was he waiting there all day? He does. He probably was, wasn't he? Well, yeah. What else is he? Yeah. yeah. What else is he gonna yeah. do? He's fixated. But at least he gets a name right. I'm going off IMDb. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> it's all right. fine. It's fine. She tells him to stay away and fumbles for her door keys as he slowly crosses the street and walks towards her. Mm. But a car starts up. It's McCall who's been sat watching and waiting. So he's been staking out the house, all day, the apartment all day, hasn't he? Waiting. No, I think just the nights. He knows that this guy's not going to try anything during mm-hmm. the day. But she didn't know he was there. Mm-hmm. No, no. So he chases Steve in his car. Well, not in his in his car. McCall's in the car. Steve's yeah, on his foot. McCall's in the car, on Steve's foot. on foot. And eventually McCall jumps out of his car and grabs him and slams him into a phone booth. Very physical. Yeah. It does, and and you can't drive down that bit of Brooklyn Heights. I'd like to point oh, out. So okay. you know. maybe you could back in the eighties. No. You couldn't. No, you couldn't. Oh, it's not right, a road. Okay. No. And he warns him to stay away from the woman. No phone calls. No visits. Nothing. And he threatens him, saying, "Because if I hear that you've even been walking down the same street as her, I'll kill you." 
and he shows Steve his weapon. I don't know what Steve is clearly a nutcase because of what he does later. Because if that guy done that to me, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. I'm out. You with that burning down on you, with that face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's clearly unhinged at times, isn't he, McCall? That's the thing that mm. he does, right? He he acts like he's crazy to, like, put fear into the other person. But there's a great moment coming in a second. Because what happens is, suitably terrified, Steve says that he understands and he swears he'll leave her alone. McCall lets him go, and Steve runs away. And did you notice that all the way through this scene, he's, 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 he lets the rage out, he lets the inner rage out. But as Steve runs away, McCall's putting his gun away, and as soon as Steve runs, he instantly calms down. He switches right. it off. It just switches off yeah. completely. So was it an act? Yeah, I think so. Is it an act though? Is it is it real? Uh, but he can he can just pull uh, it back uh, maybe, in. Or uh, maybe it's like, yeah, maybe it's like you know turning a tap yeah. mm-hmm. for him that he turns it and that maybe like inside he's constantly that raging, mm-hmm. but he's learned how to control it. Ooh, and and then pointed in a direction that it needs to be. What does that remind you of? Um, you. No, a uh, uh, big green character who's uh... <gasps> Jolly Green Giant. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> okay, Sully <laughs> Peas. He was always angry, big angry bugger. He was. <laughs> Jesus, bad about his peas. It was actually sweet corn. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, that's that's why he's angry because people get mistaken <laughs> for peas. <laughs> I mean, if you're selling sweet corn, why aren't you frigging yellow? <laughs> That's true, actually. That's true. Yeah, why are you green? That is true. Maybe the sweet corn made him Yeah. Ill. Yeah, that's why he's angry. Stupid guy doesn't even know what he's selling. Gave him the shit. Does it? Well, it comes out the same as it goes in, doesn't it, sweet corn? It's not nice. Yeah, but that, he's a giant. It'll go everywhere. Ooh, yeah, well... It'll be like, be like raining. Yeah, we'll leave that there, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> okay no don't leave it there that's what upsets him in the first yeah, place yeah yeah be responsible pick it up bag it you know gotta be a responsible owner haven't you of a, of yeah, a giant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine bagging that though a big bag you need a big bag it is yeah, yeah. I mean you'd have to be a giant to bag it wouldn't you well you'd need a big shovel at least yeah, and I'm not being funny but the big bags that the council give us they wouldn't they wouldn't cope this... with it at all they tear just break away. straight away yeah, yeah straight, away. straight through no, yeah absolutely you should complain dear sir or madam this is an unacceptable bin bag for a jolly green giant p.s not so jolly because he's green and yet he's selling sweet corn i'll add it to the letters about potholes that i send the council Ooh, that was a you that should a deep yeah pull back i haven't there. heard them yeah, for a while yeah. yeah see previous episodes a long time ago <laughs> Yeah, we we haven't catalogued the <laughs> yeah. uh, pothole mention, so you'll have to just listen to every single one until you yes. find it. Yes, just keep those downloads yeah. going. So McCall visits Carlene, and he informs her that he thinks that Steve won't bother her again, though. But as, but as yeah. a precaution, he advises her to keep her daughter at a friend's apartment for a while, while she should keep his number handy and call him um, every hour on the hour for the mm-hmm. next few days. Yeah. So he... he on the one hand, he says he thinks he's sorted it out. 
but send your daughter away and ring me every hour. Just, you know, just in case. I'd be thinking, uh, are you sure? Uh, <laughs> something doesn't seem right here. Well, he's just being cautious. Okay, but wouldn't you it know. worry you if you were the woman? Yeah, yeah, it would. You're I've right. I've sorted it, it but would. send your daughter away just in case. Yeah. She's... Because, cause, mm, yeah, actually, yeah, mm-hmm. all right. She's suitably relieved, though, and then asks McCall if he wants to stay a while. Uh-oh. He clumsily makes his excuses and he leaves. So she's attracted to him, right? Yeah, what, wouldn't you be? <laughs> attracted to a 50-year-old, <laughs> slightly overweight um, British guy. <laughs> Sounds your type. Well, I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm not quite 50 yeah. yet, but yeah, I'm almost... Yeah, you, you love yeah. yourself, but you stand there in the mirror going, oh, a few more years, you're mine. Well, me, me and Edward Woodward, you know, we're very similar people. So. Yes, yes, you mm-hmm. are. Yeah, both dead. <laughs> <laughs> so back at McCall's apartment, he's feeding his dog <laughs> again. Don't know why. Yeah, the dog we never see again in the apartment that's way too modern for him. This is really where it really stands it is, out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't bother feeding it. It's not going to be around for much longer. So No, pointless. Uh, and he's meeting with Brahms. Brahms remarks that the dog eats better than he does. Wait, yeah, but he's only just feeding him dog food. He's not giving him anything special. And this is the 80s, so it's 80s dog food, which is pretty terrible yeah, it's stuff. it's garbage, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's not like now. Yeah. Brahms explains what he's discovered about the numbers. They're actually top secret Pentagon phone numbers that nobody's meant to have without a level six clearance. Level, level six. six? Yeah. Jesus, that's that's high up there. It's one more than five. I mean, yeah, but how many levels are there? If there's like 700 levels, that's not very Maybe high. Maybe there's only six. There's only six mm. levels, so that's way yeah, up there, then. Six is a weird number to have as your top level. Yeah, who level. stops at six? Yeah, that's mm. strange. There's also numbers for the Oval Office and a senator called Jim Blanding. Mm. Mr. Mr. Blanding. Blanding. It seems the computer company has been bugging all these numbers. You mean, like, listening devices? You don't mean just constantly calling yeah. them and annoying them? <laughs> bugging them that way i assume do you want to do you want to buy george foreman <laughs> yeah there's, what the actual yeah, person we've got him or do you mean yeah, the grill got, got he's, he's just here we've got loads of them we clone him <laughs> very expensive he would be yeah brahms goes yeah. on to say that he saw mccall's ad in the paper and he quips that he thought that he was the only one who called him the equalizer so here we get the origin of the name yeah so it's something perfect. that he's been referred to in the past mm-hmm. yes Brum, I never knew that by the way I'd forgotten that no, oh is that new you forgot that, that. Yeah. that's where it comes from Brahms tries to convince McCall to get out of New York and go someplace that no one is scared of you that's a good line yeah where would that be Bogner yeah yeah, yeah. that's true yeah McCall work. though is going nowhere now he's, he's staying, staying in New York, York. later we see Senator Blanding giving a rousing presidential campaign speech to a group of reporters. And he's outside yep. some kind of um, um, government building, isn't he, in the pouring rain as well? Yes, it is. It's to rain. Yeah. McCall appears, 
trying to talk to him, and he flashes an ID badge and quietly says to the senator, it's about blackmail. So McCall isn't above still using his now, I would imagine, defunct credentials to get him into places or with... To... Yeah, he just didn't, didn't bother handing well, them you, in. You wouldn't, would you? No. No, you wouldn't. I mean, the free access to the museums. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Something you want to tell us, Colin. Places Something of you interest. Want to tell us, Colin. I'll cut it out. yes i used my government secret id to get into the museum i always suspected there was something funny about you granted i didn't think it was that but you know (laughs) no no walking down the street in the pouring rain mccall asks blanding what these people have got on him at first he's reluctant to say but eventually mccall persuades him blanding tells him about yep questionable land deals and an illicit affair typical was it yeah they're all, they're all at it aren't they i think yeah these oh, politicians tell, Paul. these politicians they're all at it okay right. i'll cut that out I, you like. I like, <laughs> are you gonna cut that out i might not it's funny because i like i like the sirens for a, a show that's set in new york yeah it's, it's the the one and only time that we've done it where it actually fits <laughs> yeah yeah right from now on we can only do shows set in new york city (laughs) although these days the sirens sound the same all over the place they do they do to be honest with you i I miss a good need all right maybe that's a bit over the top (laughs) i miss a good nina you don't get ninas anymore no no when i was a kid i had a i had a little uh police car with a little a, a, a little mouthpiece on the back of it and you blew into it and it made Nina noises. Wait, you, what, you just, like, blowed and it yeah, made yeah, the, the sound the, of a police car? The little car? exhaust bit at the back of the car yeah. was also something uh-huh. that you could put your lips around and blow and it made the Nina noise. Granted, you couldn't push the car along the floor as you were doing this. Right, so either Nina or it moves, yeah. but you couldn't, couldn't do, do both. Couldn't do both at the same time. I tried, but... You know, it was difficult. You get carpet burns on your face. Wow. Okay, that's a trip into your childhood we don't need. (laughs) Sharing, you know. That's not a toy for asthmatics, is it? It's it's really not. No, it's really not. Um, Blanding tells McCall that he's supposed to make a call to arrange the payment. Mm. McCall tells him to make it and tell them to arrange delivery that night. It's all hotting up now. Later that night, McCall is meeting Control at the docks. Control tells him that he's managed to bring McCall's file down to a code yellow. Dangerous, but tolerable. Oh, that's nice Mm. of him. It's a bit like me, that, isn't it? Dangerous, but tolerable? Yeah, Yeah, except for the dangerous bit. It's just tolerable. And and let's be honest, I don't think you're under code yellow. It's more like code puce, but you can't even tell what colour that is anyway. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Colour blind all the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your file could be any colour. <laughs> Can you imagine if that they're like, Yeah, you do the uh you, you assassinate the uh code reds. Oh my god, have you heard? Paul's killed all these people. They're not even code reds, they were code greens. Yeah, well he's colour blind, he took the wrong files. <laughs> I do have problems with green and red. So, you know, that would that would be yeah, a dangerous so, move. Yeah. Yeah. He's killed Sooty. Oh. Sooty was a code I green. I would kill Sooty. 
Matthew Kelly, red all yeah, the way. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Um, but he won't be because you're colorblind. <laughs> took, took sweep out. Oh, sweep. He can. He can die. He is that a she? Oh no, yeah, it's a he. no, it's he. Yeah, yeah Sue's, he's Sue's the, the floppy woman. dog, sweep. isn't he? Yeah. I just imagine you killing Sweep and then just going, "Izzy Wizzy, let's get busy." That works. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. The strings, however, are that McCall has to be available to the agency once in a while. McCall's less than impressed by this, but he doesn't say no. Now, this is, you know, yeah. when earlier you said you didn't remember this bit. This is the bit I didn't remember that they'd made this arrangement. Which explains a lot of why we go backwards and forwards throughout the show with him helping ordinary yeah. people, then occasionally he's doing some sort of government thing as well. Yes. It's how he doesn't get taken out by his past employees, isn't it? It's because they can use him every Yeah, day. they don't buy him lunch, they don't take him mm-hmm. for dinner, they don't take him out mm-hmm. at all. They don't. Ridiculous. Exactly. No. But McCall explains about the meeting that he's planned with the senator's blackmailers about how it could be useful to control if only he could supply McCall with some backup yeah I don't think this story works as I said as well as the stalker one no I, I don't I agree but I I agree but then again there's, there's also that thing that I know you do as well that we both like the whole spy cloak and dagger stuff don't we yeah, so it works for us because we like this kind of thing, but we get the flaws in this storyline. It's clearly designed just to set it, it up. It is. And, and any chance you get to Those see um, McCall and Control in a scene together, it, it's good. So, yeah. So we... Yeah, yeah. So, back with Carlene, who is entering her apartment. She's hanging up her coat, and we see a light in the room behind her switch off. She's not alone. Ooh. No, but well, she's got automated lights. In in the eight, I suppose they did have that in the eighties, didn't they? On timers, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Less dramatic. Yeah, can you imagine that. It's like, oh, there's somebody in there. No, no, it's just timer. Yeah, tick 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 tick. Donk, lights go off. Meanwhile, McCall is meeting with the blackmailers and Morgan. We finally get the confirmation Ooh, that this is Morgan. We finally learn who he yeah. is. <laughs> Now, Morgan is a little disappointed with McCall. He's expecting someone younger, maybe, better shape. Yeah, she says that to him as well, doesn't he? He says that, you know what I was expecting. Rude, right? Very rude. You you know, McCall's thinking, I'm going to kill you soon, so... (laughs) Yeah. But it's also setting up for the idea that people have of him in future episodes. Definitely, definitely. I think there's one episode in particular, isn't there, where... And it's not. It, I don't think it's a particularly good episode for lots of reasons. Um, but it's the episode I'm thinking of where he has to go and help these inner city slum people. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, oh, there's a film, Sidney Poitier. That's yeah, got, yeah. Um, Blackboard Jungle is that, that what it's called? Yeah, yeah it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing where he's going into a school and yeah. teaching them about death and mm-hmm. the. Uh, it, 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 it's word. a problematic episode for, for for lots of reasons that one but it is but it it's epitomizes of what the character yes, is yes and i think they even refer to him as old man or granddad or something yes like that, they make they? fun yeah. of him yeah. yeah yeah um morgan as i said is a little disappointed with mccall um but mccall lays out morgan's background for him his dishonorable discharge possible murder 
in the past he may have done. Yeah. Yeah. But Morgan's defiant and threatens him. Big, bad move. Yeah, yeah. We get that weird zoom on his face, don't we? Where he's like, oh, <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> nope, you crossed the line there, yeah. pal. Good luck. Back with Carlene. She's getting uh, ready for bed. When she hears music box music coming from the other room. That's right, yeah. She creeps along the hallway. Steve suddenly grabs her from behind and presses a knife to her throat. Yeah, very dramatic. Mm. Tonight's our night, he says. The, oh, I'm glad you added that, he said. <laughs> Got a little worried there for a second. Had <laughs> me panicking. Back to the meeting. Morgan pulls a gun and he asks for the money. McCall hands the briefcase to one of Morgan's goons. But as he opens it, a flashbang goes off. It's booby-trapped. Yeah. A fight ensues. McCall shows everyone his moves by... He throws one goon through a plate glass window. Yeah, he's not messing. He's not messing, and he just knocks out the other one. Punches him right in the face. Um, He chases after Morgan, and they trade blows. And at first, he, he gets the better of him, doesn't he, Morgan? Yeah, but not for long. Not for long, they head to the roof. But there's nowhere to go. McCall punches Morgan, and he falls backwards off the roof into the water. I'm guessing he's dead. Um, I, Maybe. I mean... We, we don't get a shot of him later when the police no, turn we up, don't. which they do in no. a minute of him being arrested or anything, do we? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But the police do arrive with control as well. Well, they did arrange... Control was supposed to turn yeah. up anyway, yeah. And uh, just in time to find McCall leaving the scene. And he fills them all in before he tells Control that he could destroy the tape, you know, the tape that implicates the senator in, in all the dodgy dealings that he's had. But Control says that he has to operate within the confines of the system, no matter what it will do to Blanding. So McCall's like, a sh- um, sorry, Control's you straight down the middle company guy, isn't he? Yes, yeah. he is, yeah. McCall walks away. Control asks, if I need you? McCall raises his eyebrows. Well, you've always known where to find me. What does he mean by yeah. that, do you think? Well, I think because he's always got tabs on the car. Ah, because they're always watching him. Yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I did like how, um, in the action scenes, going back to the action scenes, Edward Wooden never tries to play anything other than the age that he is, does he? Yeah, he's not like, he's not like jumping into the air and doing twisty kung fu. Yeah, kicks. And, it, and it's not George Papad's stunt double with a dodgy wig on, is it? You know, <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> diving no. over counters and things no. like that. You know, and, right. And yeah. after the fight scene, he's kind of holding his arm, like he's like, oh, I pulled something there, or that 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 doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah, like. Like when you stretched across a table to pick up a beer. Exactly. That's what I was going yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right, right, yeah. Back at the apartment, Carlene is terrified as Steve watches the music bog play. Music bog? Did I say music bog? I think I did, didn't I? I don't know, but if you did, I, I quite like a music bog. Music bog. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Just plays music. I do often take Spotify into the toilet with me. I think. Japanese make toilets that play music to cover up the sound of you farting. Well, I'm, I'll have to get one of those. Yeah, there's not a loud enough music. You'd have to play thrash metal. 
<laughs> we don't have to talk about my toilet habits, thank you very much. Oh, we don't? We don't. Okay. So they're watching the music box play. He talks about his mother, and it's the usual sort of standard serial killer mummy fixation thing that he's talking about, isn't it? Meanwhile, Carlene is fumbling with her bondage behind her back. Is that the right word? She's got her hands... Probably not. No, she's got... <laughs> she, she's... She's got her hands tied. She has her hands yeah. tied, yeah. So she's fondling, trying to undo the knots. Okay, all right. It's better than fondling your bondage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to be fondling your bondage. No. That suggests that she's into it in some it, way. It does, it does. She's, she's definitely not. No. But he suddenly flips. I, I mean, he, he freaks out. He doesn't just do a 360 in mid-air. Yeah, yeah. woo And he starts brandishing the knife again. Telling her that she will do whatever he says. Yeah, not case. Not case. McCall, meanwhile, is checking his answering mes- machine messages, and he realizes that Carlene's missed a check-in call. Yeah, because she said she calls in at ten p.m. and says she'll call in at eleven and doesn't. Yeah. Steve starts to force himself on Carlene when McCall suddenly bursts in, leveling his weapon. Now, this is the thing I was going to say. He gets there very quickly, doesn't he? He was at the docks. Yeah. Yeah. Are the docks near um, where her apartment is? or? Well, I don't really know where her apartment is. He's near the Staten Island Ferry, so he's in Lower Manhattan. Right. But I, Is this oh, plausible wait. then? Or? Isn't, her, isn't her apartment in Brooklyn I Heights? Think so. so he'd have to get across from... Unless... No, yeah, he would have to get across from Manhattan to Brooklyn. No, yeah, he couldn't do it. So basically she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, luckily we're in the world of the equalizer. She's not dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got a cafe that mysteriously moves <laughs> yes. when you enter it, so, you know. <laughs> Anything's possible here. So McCall stands there and he's leveling his weapon at Steve. Steve holds the knife to Carlene's throat and he's using her as a shield. Steve threatens to kill her unless McCall leaves, but he just stands there aiming his weapon and he's just completely stony faced apart from the eyes isn't he and we zoom in on McCall's face and we get a flashback to the standoff in the subway station from the start of the episode which I like because I kind of forgotten about so did I it took me by surprise Hmm. so what are they trying to say here do you think what's his what's what's going on in his head well I think he's he's uh, I don't know he's overcoming a situation in some way, I guess, or he's remembering that he killed someone. Sometime. He killed someone quite recently, yeah, and, he's, and he's probably going to have to do it again in a second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you have yeah, to. Yeah. Even though he doesn't want to. Like, like every every like week. Every week. <laughs> sometimes twice. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> every week you have to kill somebody. <laughs> you know. In between those days, you don't. But once... In between those days, he could have been feeding his dog if he'd have only kept it. He already kept it, yeah, yeah. Suddenly McCall fires one shot, hitting Steve, who falls back to the floor, wounded. So he doesn't kill him. No, he shoots him Mm -hmm. in the arm, right? Ah, so that's what this is trying to say then, isn't it? He's he's thinking, I'm not going to kill... You don't have to kill somebody. He's not dying. This this guy's not going to die like the first guy did. No. Right, okay. No, 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 he's just wounded him. 
Curly moves aside as McCall, now seething with rage inside, you can see it, picks up the knife and tosses it aside and he goes to comfort her. But did you notice that all through this um. all through this scene, even after he shot him, his eyes never leave Steve. Yeah. Even as he's, yeah. he, he picks up the knife, he tosses it away and he puts his arms around Carlene, but he's not looking at her. He's just stirring yeah. at him. He wants to kill him. He does want to kill him. He does. Mm. Yeah, even even when he picks up the knife, cuts her rope, and then throws the knife aside. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I said? No, you just, you just kept, you just had him throwing the All knife right, okay. away, leaving her tied up. <laughs> <laughs> going, uh, could you could you could you get that knife, Robert? Because I'm still tied up. Oh yeah, sorry. Well, he's fixated on Steve. I'm, I'm seething yeah. with rage. I just forgot about you and your tied hands. <laughs> I just thought it was great how he just didn't look away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's good. Later, McCall goes to Scott's recital, but he's late. It's almost finished. Scott is looking dejected. His dad, his dad's let him down once again. Mm. All right, I have a different take on this, but I... Okay, well, I'll tell you how it seemed to me, and then you tell me what you think. But finally, their eyes meet, and the two men smile at each other. There's an understanding there. At least he's made the effort he's got. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. My take is that Scott doesn't know that Robert's late. He hasn't even looked for him. Because he's busy doing his thing. He's only at the end when he's finished his performance that he looks for his dad and then he's like, oh, my dad was here all along. And Robert's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. here all the time, son. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think that says a lot more about you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Right here. Still got my coat on, but, you know, it's chilly. Chilly in this auditorium. I like chilly. that take. I think I prefer that to, to what I, the way yeah. that I saw and it. And Scott's yeah. like, ah. Oh, my dad was here yeah, all along. Yeah, that works. Long. I like that. I'd go with that one instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Later, McCall um, meets Carlene at a restaurant, and he apologises for maybe taking the wrong tact with Steve. He thought that he could scare him away, but instead he thinks they maybe pushed him over the edge. But going back to what you said earlier, where he tells her to make her kid go to a mm-hmm. different place and to... so it was obviously at the back of his so mind maybe... that maybe this guy could still maybe lose it yeah. Yeah. yeah but she's just grateful that McCall was there to save her life and she offers him a thousand dollars for his fee but yeah which yeah asked but about. he says that his fee is just one hundred dollars donated to her favorite charity he's really not going to make any money out right. of this equalizing business is he no, no, uh, I wouldn't want to be his bank manager. But also, she kind of makes a romantic move to him that he brushes aside She does, because well. she, she offers him dinner. Yeah, and I think that's also setting up the fact that they didn't want to establish this kind of each week he's going to find a woman that he protects and blah, blah, blah. I think they wanted to like go, nope, this is not what it's this not is about. Rider. With him yeah, saving his that, yummy yeah, mummies absolutely. every week, like he does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And Pocket exactly. gets jealous. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he declines. Um, I'd like to know you better, she says. McCall just looks at her, takes a sip of his drink and says, no, you wouldn't. I like that. It's re- yeah. That says a lot about the character. Yeah, you're going to use that? <laughs> 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 the, 
They usually say that to me. It's usually the other way around. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. used to, obviously. Yeah. I mean, not anymore. You're like, you're like, oh, no, you wouldn't. Like, oh, because you're, you're dangerous? No, no, I just stink and I fart a lot. And, you know, bad hygiene, really, basically. Also, I drink a large amount. They're like, whoa, just just leave it at, just leave it at, no, you I'm, wouldn't. Keep I'm the mystery. Really funny, Colin, but I'm cutting out all the stuff about stinking and farting. I'm not leaving that in there. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it's funny. People might think it's real. Oh, they 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 don't think it's real. I mean, they don't think Edward Woodward is really the equalizer. <laughs> They're not going to think you're really a, a, a stinking, farting, paedophile serial killer. Don't worry about All it. All right, cheers. Thank you. He shakes her hand and he says goodbye. And she wishes him good luck. And then we get a line that seems a little bit tagged on, didn't you think? Where it's already fading to black and you just get, and good luck to the equalizer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Please, please make a series. <laughs> we spent a large amount of money yeah, on this pilot. It really We'd like feels, a series. Please, it really CBS. feels tagged on at the end, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And that's does. the end of The Equalizer. So, Colin, what did you think of The Equalizer? <sighs> well, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's great. I mean... The acting is splendid. The writing is fun. I love mm-hmm. the setting. I like the music. And I'm watching this pilot episode. And you got to bear in mind, it's not so long ago that I actually watched the whole series of it. Yeah. And I'm watching mm-hmm. this and I'm like, yeah, I could watch this all again now. There's not many shows you could say that about. No, there's not. No. I reckon this and... You know, Miami Vice pilot does that to me, where I'm like, "Yep, I'm I'm gonna do the whole season again, everything." Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, it's really good. Ever Woodward is excellent in it. He is. I don't know that we have problems with the uh, spy. I guess you call it spy. They do it the better. Plot. They do it better later, don't they? They do. Mm-hmm. Um, the series changes here and there because of obviously Ever Wood having a heart attack. They. Mm-hmm. Have Robert Mitchum step in, but they do it really well. Yeah, I, I'm up to the Robert Mitchum stuff now. I'm doing a rewatch of it, which kind of okay. gives away, gives away what I think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, but um, he he's brilliant in it as well. Very different right. to Edward Goodwood, but but that's but good. they do it in a way that makes sense. Like absolutely, it works for the story. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. later when he comes back. And we're in, say, like the last season. There's mm-hmm. still really good episodes. Yeah, the quality doesn't really dip. No, not think. at all. No. The writing is always good. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I mean, I there's no point like talking about it forever. It's a hit. I mean, yeah. you know, let's just get this over with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I mean, it's it's got, it's got everything. The show hasn't it? It's got spy stuff, which we like. It's got the help the person a week aspect of that was in a lot of 80s shows that we like. Um, yep. It's got the look and feel of 80s New York, which is great. Yep, yep, and it's filmed in New York. It's not yeah. fake. Yeah, it's fantastic looking. Um, the main thing that stood out for me about this episode um, is got to be Robert McCall as a character. He's just a great character. 
Um, yes. and, and, it, and if you combine that with the way that Edward Woodward plays him, like you said, it's just a perfect um, meeting of, of actor and character. Yeah, and the little things that maybe you're like, oh, I'm not keen on that apartment. Oh, I don't like that he's doing an American accent. They get rid of anyway. They fix it. They fi- yeah. within within one episode they fix it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. I, I I like the sense of the the the. I'll get it right this time. The um, Englishman in New York feel to it. You know the the fish out of water kind of aspect to it, which um. You probably know quite a lot about Colin, don't you? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. 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 Um, Minus the shooting people every week. Well, yeah, I'd like to think you don't do that. No, um, not every week. Edward Wood was just a perfect actor for it. Um, should have been a massive star, like we said. Um, and we're not going to talk about the remakes or the reboots or anything like that because they don't exist to us. All I'll say is that... The, Everything that this gets right, they mm-hmm. get wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's not a perfect pilot. It's got it's got problems, like we said about the the the. I don't think the spy stuff works as well as the the serial the the the, the stalker stuff, but that's fine. Um, one thing I found interesting about that is that the stalker story turns out to be more difficult for him than the spy stuff. That's true. That's because he's he's in his element with the spy stuff yeah isn't he? i wonder if that was done on purpose he's he's you know he's how many of these kind of characters has he dealt with in his career probably loads yeah yeah um yeah it's a hit it's a it, I, I i love the equalizer it's it's a perfect show for me um and and if this was a pilot tomorrow with these actors and and i watched it i'd definitely be coming back the yeah. week after hey, don't say that they too often these days do you paul i don't say that at all very well <laughs> these days yeah it's a hit it's a excellent that's what we like to hear in our next episode we're staying in the same year as the equalizer but we're moving across the water to the uk and we're taking a look at cat's eyes a more action focused spin-off from the successful police drama the gentle touch yeah it's gonna be amazing it's different that's what i mean amazing yeah. different but if you don't like different and why wouldn't you? But you can suggest a film or TV show by emailing us at retrospection at email.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at Retrospecty, and on Instagram at Retrospection Podcast, all one word. And please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen, because it really helps. And Paul's desperate for that little bit of fan adulation. Am I? <laughs> Alright. <laughs> you can also hear the themes and songs from the films and shows review at our Spotify playlist. And finally, if you'd like to support our old episodes and help new ones coming along, then you can lower our server costs by supporting us via patreon.com slash retrospection. Thank you to our current Patreon supporters who make sure another month goes by that Paul doesn't have to take up that second job as a flatulence filtering underwear tester because he's worried nobody would be able to hear him talk. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.